This summer, we're bringing you double Koi gig. For me, she's the best English centre-back. Play your best players in their best position. I don't think the captain is droppable, particularly after making the statement of dropping Steph Houghton. Subscribe to the OTV Koi gig pod on the OTV Sports app now. Now then, you're very welcome back. Post-COVID, we are all in studio. We're all face-to-face. So we thought, well, why don't we chew the fat once a week? I think in some respects, this slot now desperately needs a name if we want this to land. If we want this to land big, Mick. At the moment, we refer <laughs> to it as uh, the slot with no name, which is not something... I refuse for it to be called the slot with no name. Yeah. As a, oh, what a kitsch title for The nameless panel. No, the, the nameless panel. Look, in fairness, up on, we have a whiteboard that sort of says what we're doing in the week. And... Uh, it is up there as the talking shy tower. No, not that either. I'm not saying that as we call it. I'm just saying that that is that that is what it's on the whiteboard as at the moment. Yeah. Okay. And Mick McCarthy's here in studio. Arthur O'D as well. We've a few things we want to chat about. Five three one zero six. The text number. We're at off the ball on Twitter. So uh, uh, ruminations on the past week. Pat Spillane came up in a big way on the paper review. Arthur was producing. I was here with Michael Lester and Gavin Comiskey. Pat announced on RT Television he was retiring. Mm. He said. Be writing about the reasons why tomorrow in the Sunday world. <laughs> His reasons the next day when you bought the paper were, I just feel it's time. Like <laughs> The great reveal. That, that is an old school newspaper man. Absolutely. He, oh yeah, the, he, that was all about the sale. It wasn't about the delivery in the end. But uh, As I ran first thing to the paper that Sunday I morning, know, I thought, I know. Pat, Here we go. fair play, you've played a blinder with that one. You, you, got me. Like, you screwed me completely. <laughs> but I mean, I have to admire the hustle. Yeah. Like, you know, you have to admire the hustle. Yeah, like Pat's gone and it's the latest in a... Uh, Look, I mean, it's his own decision, absolutely. And maybe it is time enough for specifically Pat's plan. He's been doing it since... 1991 maybe something like that I know he was playing in 91 but I seem to have a memory he's definitely there since the early 90s anyway yeah. so I think he said 30 years or whatever so it might be time enough for him but it is the loss of another of the punditry guard from not just Gaelic football not just the GEA but from Irish sport really you know what I mean in the last however many years Dumphy's gone Giles has gone off TV Obviously, still with us every Thursday night. Uh, you know, you've got Lucknan has stepped away from us. Uh, Joe Brawley, obviously, taken off the air unceremoniously. And now Spillane is gone. And, you know, there's, there's more as well that I'm not even thinking of, like, off the top of my head. So it just is, feels like an end of an era. You remember, like, there was the whole Apre match thing that they would talk about in the past where, you know, they would make jokes given what they're there to talk about that people aren't interested in the games, they're only interested in the punditry. Mm. It was certainly the case for an awful long time, and, you know, I don't think that's the case anymore. Are pundits doing a technical better job? Mm. Maybe. They're probably analysing the game better than it's ever been analysed before. But are they giving me what I want as a live viewer, a general sports viewer, who wants a little bit of passion, a little bit of conversation, a little bit of crack? To be honest, you know, a bit of, a bit of fun, and sometimes that can be done with a, a nonsense issue that they take too seriously or pretend to take too seriously, as it might have been in the uh, at times. And I know that I tweeted actually on on Sunday that you know in the past I would have been in Crow Park all weekend, but this week I was arguing as to which uh, you know how many more episodes of Coco Melon was going to be watching before I turned on the game. But here's the truth of it. I wasn't that pushed about making sure it was there before half three. Mm. I wanted to maybe turn on for the parade and see what kind of a crowd was there. But I didn't feel like I was going to be missing anything, mm. you know. And maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But yeah, Arthur, where are you in this? 
Um, where am I? I think it's time. Uh, like it's not, I'm not only harsh, and I don't want to be. Um, you are talking about someone who's there and someone who's. Uh, it's not quite their livelihood, obviously, but it is something they do and take obviously seriously and passionately. And you're saying he's there since about ninety one, so that's the, that's the guts of my whole life. Um, but well, look, put it this way: like, for, like, there's a few different things you get into here. Why, I suppose, Mick? Why are you? I suppose in some way you are obviously remorseful. Not remorseful is probably the wrong word. Regretful. Regretful. Yeah. Regretful about the fact that he's leaving, right? That's fair to say. And you're regretful about the fact that uh, Joe Brawley's gone. Yeah, I'm regretful for what the what it means that they're not there anymore, if you know what I mean. Like specifically Joe Brawley, I feel like that there was a middle ground that was needed when, when Joe was there. Me and Joe of Malloy have talked about this in the past that I feel that sometimes... Joe would try and ramshackle through that type of uh, analysis and that over-the-top stuff, and, and you could kind of get a little bit lost in it, whereas like it did need some grounding. <coughs> I thought that Joe in later years was losing that a little bit, but at the same time, I would value the, the open conversation that can go anywhere mm. more than I would value telling me how Dublin are going to win this game today or how Kerry are going to win this game. I'm going to watch the game in five minutes. I'll see myself. Is that an interesting now? That, that, like, but you can hear these people everywhere now. I kind of feel so like I a think the opposite. I think you can hear the detailed analysis and the the proper. I feel like you can hear tactics talk and who's going to take who mm. everywhere. And I feel that if you're interested on that level, you have all that information long before you turn on RTE. At three o'clock. But is the fact of the matter not reality? Like if we get into it, most like people aren't listening on that level, is what I was okay. going to say, and just want. If you take the, the hurling, atmosphere. right? The yeah. hurling atmosphere, right? So take the hurling coverage, right? Compared to the football, on if we're talking, we're talking specifically here about RT. Obviously, they have the bulk of that coverage. Um, you wouldn't say that the hurling coverage is tame. I don't think they I don't think they have the platform to have an open conversation that's allowed go in its own direction. I feel that they are ramshackled by the schedule, by making sure that we hit this, 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 this. When Liverpool played, whoever they probably played in the Champions League that time, Dunphy, Brady, Giles and Bill spoke about Roy Keane for 45 minutes. Ah, and that's the best different. television. It isn't, because that that's wouldn't happen story. now. That was the biggest story in world sport. Would that happen now, Joe? 100% it would happen. Would that, be, would that be 45 minutes at the start of a Champions League game when you had to make sure you had your Klopp interview and you had... To ha- and you had you know, your your conversation about the team lineups and everything like that? I'd, I think 100%. It's too big a story. Mm. Would it happen in the way it happened then? Well, it might not happen the way it happened then, but you're also like... You Who'd like, do it? But, like, you have to... Like, I just don't think it can be overlooked. There's a reason that these guys are not... Say, we, so, again, I don't wanna, we don't know... Pasplan obviously said he's leaving of his own volition, OK? Yeah. That's fine. If that's his choice and they made him an offer that... He decided he didn't want to stay on, whatever else, whatever else, right? But for some reason, all these guys of similar characteristics are leaving. Mm. Now, there's a reason that's happening, and it's not just because, like, if you're, if you're, what you're saying is correct, right? And these guys are more entertaining, and they would make you more uh, attuned and more kind of aware of what was the of what was the coverage compared to the match. They wouldn't be getting rid of them if they were sure things. If, they, if these guys were sure things, they were going to huge number generators. Uh, Brawley's a sure thing. But he's a short thing for a while, but what's, what's the risk attached? 20, 30 years a short thing a while. What's the risk attached? So why, why would they get rid? Why is no one else? Why did Sky Sports not come in and go, oh, we'll take him straight away? That would have looked a bit small on their part, I think. 
they have their panel. I just think it would look like we'll take whatever we can from Ortiz because it's okay, so but I mean, So why did nobody take him in though? There aren't many options, I suppose. Yeah. I was listening to Neville talking recently and uh, he was debating like, it was on one of these uh, quickfire things and who's the best punditry team. And he made an interesting observation and he said that actually on the Super Sunday, the live game, that actually what you want there is a very emotive, conversational reaction to what's just happened. And he said that's why Roy Keane and that environment is gold because it gives you this instinctive feel for what he's seen. And then maybe on a Monday when the dust has settled, that's when it's time to say the right back's positioning here. If he just moved 10 yards yeah. forward, the midfielder could slot in. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, the diehards can really feast on the intricacies of the game. He only said that last year. I hadn't really that's thought that before myself. And I true. thought it was very insightful. Like if you think of Brawley's big moments, you know, yeah. we, we keep coming back to Brawley. It's not about him necessarily at all. But you think of like Sean Cavanagh dragging down and his Roy Keane-esque emotional reaction. Saying that on a Monday. How ridiculous it sounds. So you, I, yeah. think, I think you probably do need that energy around a live event for sure. And uh, like that, you know, Spillane goes to town on, the, uh, on, on various things, be it like puke football. And again, puke football is a really interesting example, I think, of what we're talking about because that comment probably hasn't aged well in the sense that uh, this was clearly the beginning of an innovation in the game and it was quite a smart innovation and it caught on for obvious reasons and it looks brilliant now sorry to interrupt but have you ever seen that the exact clip of the throne around, swarm that he's talking Shea. about around is, is it around Darrow Shea? Yeah. I only watched there last year around that semi-final and the actual what throne are doing is it's kind of mesmerising because you're used to see it's part of the game now you're thinking oh that's been done very well as opposed to thinking what the hell is this alien thing that's happening in my sport yeah you know? but, it, but it wasn't it wasn't like you could argue a kind of textbook proper analysis in that he didn't say well this is the way the game's going to go and it's easier to you know use physics and, and numbers to really counteract arguably a more uh, free-flowing side it was just like I don't like this it's puke right so I, I think you could argue that wasn't the most insightful comment. It was just, I don't like this. However, I think in that live environment, like, talk about, like, setting an agenda and a talking point. And that was a comment we remember all these years later. I think maybe that's what you want, actually, from your live analysis of any game as opposed to X's and O's, you know? Because, like, Broly had said himself, it's about, like, what are our talking points and what are the the conversation pieces where you can say, ah, he's talking... Like, you'd have a visceral reaction to whether Bradley went over the okay. top on Kavanagh or Spillane on, on puke football or not because Gav Kuminski was in here on Sunday and it was interesting because this brings in the types like George Hook and various others and Gav said for a long time he would have bemoaned the lack of quote-unquote nuts and bolts analysis yeah. and his exact line in here was be careful what you wish for which is where he is now so I think we've moved away from that hard-hitting opinion and I'm not sure why we've done it seen as like Sky are going the opposite direction. I mean, they've realised the power of Keen and the, the power yeah. of hard comment. We've gone the opposite way. And I suppose the interesting question is, do you think that the sensibilities of the viewing public have changed? Or you think it's more the people that choose who to put on television has changed? Because I still think, and I'm on a panel, and, yeah. and, and, and so you know, I understand the value of like Hook in his prime yeah. doing his thing. Uh, I still think the public would take the bigger, more forceful characters any day of the week, as opposed to here's yeah. where the game was lost. Look, this is something that, and this is something we, we can, there's a, there's a side to this, that's something that um, certainly Eamon Dunphy alleged 
shortly after he left that the powers that be in RT were paying much more attention to what was being said on Twitter. And obviously there was a lot of criticism and that's that's fine because mm. there's a certain degree because a lot of things are more parochial in terms of if they're saying a bad thing about Man United, no matter how funny it is, if you're a Man United fan, you'll hate that. So, you know, yeah. I think, I would argue, and this is the thing, and this is the bigger, I suppose, part of it, I don't think they're very inclusive spaces, right? I don't think Pat Spillane, Joe Brawley, Colm O'Rourke and Michael Lester talking about a match is necessarily the most inclusive space and where at what point do you introduce new voice into that because if you even pluck one out you can't put someone else in like for like Can I come in on that though? Well no but I, like okay. that's why that's changing because there needs to be change there needs to be greater diversity there needs to be a great diversity of voices you can't do that if you have someone as domineering as that in there unless you find someone because because people can't just walk into it. there's a reason they're there for so long and there's a reason they are successful And but it's also a reason of, that's all we know Yeah so I don't know how else, and, and I, I would argue that, obviously for entertainment's sake, it might not be as entertaining when you put that d- diversity what of What is it in. only entertainment? It's, it's only not. sport at the end of the day. Well, like, we can watch the match, why? you can take that seriously. Okay, Other than that, what else are we doing? Why can't, but yeah, but who's it for then? It's if for it's only people, for people watching that you are on looking TV. At, yeah, but it's for people that, who, for who's watching on TV? Everybody. People. people who watch rugby. And actually, actually, the point is, Joe's making them talk, talk about international rugby, and we're talking about all Ireland semi-finals and finals here. You want to talk about the GEA hardcore people that'll watch brilliant stuff on TG Catter if they can understand it. Unfortunately, that's just the way of the world. But like on air when they had it on or whatever, like that's where you go nuts and bolts. That's where you go for the thing. Like generally, you know, men, women, and children who don't watch a lot of sport will watch all Ireland semi-finals and finals, and will watch international rugby matches and. People do tune in to watch these events. Like it's not. Who, who, yeah, no, of course they do. And so I'm not arguing. Like, I'm not arguing that people aren't going to watch the All Ireland final because yeah. Pat Spillane isn't there. People, like, I don't. I think you're overegging this. I think. I think you but come it's back. It's part for, of our culture. Is like I know that's a that's a big statement. Okay, that's a big statement. <laughs> that's a big statement. It's a part of our culture. Daisy Yates, we, for God's sake. No, we have literally our main sports comedy bloody thing is a is a piss take of analysis. That's what we do in this country. We talk about. The, the stuff like, who, like what we're doing here so now talks? but they're not doing it at but the moment who talks and who's it for if you can't change it like the fact What's of the matter is we about? talk but the fact of the matter is we talk so that, that in, that's extracted that's pub talk right that's essentially what you're talking about for that well, thing is it's talking in the pub that's what it is comment. like I mean it it's not they're still it these loose. people have all won loads of all Ireland's and have done whatever else and even if they haven't they're still it's still to, to, to dismiss it as pub talk is but unfair just because I'm it's not this. X's and O's analysis but that's what I'm, I'm saying that there's a certain looseness and familiarity to it that you yes. could hear yes exactly and so you're, what you're saying is but the people who are more formal and think they're also all Ireland winners it would suggest to me that there's a difference in how these people perceive life and the game and everything else that they don't want to do that maybe Jackie Tyrrell with his whatever eight all Ireland doesn't want to come on and kind of talk and be shouting and but like if you take so if you take television what television was then say and the kind of the the more kind of it was a bit looser you now could sort of extrapolate out what people are able to do in podcasts yeah. and again it's not just promoting in-house things or whatever else but you look at the podcast this year you look at someone like James O'Donoghue who's that like all in that same Kerry thing like a footballer of the year and it just it's clear enough that he's quite comfortable saying whatever he wants because they can be there. There's no, there's no live element to it. Mm. But it is just far more analytically thinking about the game because that's the way they played the game. They yeah. weren't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I no, no. That in that way, in it. that way, there is they've moved on in a way that people do see things probably slightly more dispassionately, and that's fine. That's not not really what I'm arguing. I'm just saying I just feel that there needs to be room for 
the over the top and room for the conversation and room for the thing that again as you said maybe on Monday night we're going that was a bit too far oh absolutely you know and, and there, were, there were times where that previous generation in the co-light day went way too far often against amateurs and it wouldn't look good the next a, day and I would argue that possibly and this is speculation on my behalf but I think possibly it became a little bit more contrived as time went on and I think when it did I think it, it <laughs> went was, completely that, past its there purpose There was that clip we were talking about yesterday with the possible landing I think someone put it up on Twitter obviously after he announced his decision uh, talking about I think half-time Dublin Donegal was like 4-2 in 2011 or whatever for some reason he just brings up the Shiite tribe and Pat loved his prep jokes yeah. that were like yeah yeah no, I, mean, I wouldn't be the, mad about them no knowns and no unknowns that one the Rumsfeld quote went for about 15 years <laughs> past it's actually. but actually that's a really good example of what we're, of how sensibilities have changed now the Dublin Donegal game which is yeah. kind of like this seminal first half where everybody was like oh my god I've never seen anything like this really and the instinct then, which is what, 2011 now? The instinct yeah. then was to be like, as you said, what the hell is this? This is garbage and football's over. And it feels yeah. like they're throwing pens and yeah. it's a, and you know paper everywhere. And jeez, uh, if this is the game, count me out if this, you know, yeah. all of this stuff, right? Tell the guys to play tennis. Whereas now I think the instinct, and it, I don't know if one's right, one's wrong, but I think the instinct now would be break down what's happening here. Mm. What, what is going on here in quite a methodical yeah. way? It all, a lot of it does come down to the fact that there's a, there's a, there's, there's a silence from the 90% of people who are watching it, who the people that you speak to, not to be like, oh, when you're speaking to people in pubs, they say this, but you know, when you speak to people in your life who aren't as into sport as are us and aren't on Twitter and aren't kind of like arguing amongst media circles, yeah. they don't have these same opinions. That's, that's my experience anyway. No, no, listen, very forceful. Contribution, Mick McCarthy. How many times did I tell you to shut up there, Arthur? Voice. Let's take a very short break. Back in one second. <laughs> and you're very welcome back. 53106, get in touch. We were at Off the Ball as well. Lots of people agreeing with you, Michael McCarthy. I would say in the main, people are agreeing with you and uh, they want more robust discussion on their televisions. Ah, don't worry, Joe. I, I can see those messages too. Plenty of people call me Egypt as well. No, no, they, no, they've, they've, a, they've a right to their opinion. No, no, there's, there's, there's plenty like Arthur as well who just want boring television. <laughs> <laughs> Can we not just be quiet, everyone, and calm down? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't even like. I, I'm not. I, the, the funny part about it is like, I'm the same general thing that it doesn't dominate the way it used to. All covered right across the board doesn't dominate the way it used to, but I just think that's a reflection of, um, in certain extent, just the broadening out of what's available, and also then. You know, like yeah. in general, that's just it, the way it goes. I'm not reopening this conversation, no, sorry. So let's move on then. One of the other uh, discussion points this week, obviously, has been at the rugby. Brand Driscoll's been on the show earlier on. And I posed a question to him. Would you rather get to a semi-final, lose the semi-final, presumably, semi-final stage in the World Cup, or would you rather win a series in New Zealand? And ultimately, he said, win a series in New Zealand yeah. now if it's just uh, get to a semi-final and let's see what happens then I want to take my chances there and, and fire on through so that's kind of the way he uh, manoeuvred his way yeah. through that one Matt Williams um, was on as well and this is part of this whole theme as to like how important is a series in New Zealand 
a year out from a World Cup in terms of achievement and uh, to what extent should it be cherished or dismissed and is everything just preparation for a World Cup so Matt was on with us on Monday and we were talking about selection for the third test the final test and he made an, like there's a real rationale to what he was saying and he, he was suggesting Ireland and Andy Farrell should play uh, in effect a second string or else a very experimental side against New Zealand in this deciding test his logic being you can't lose if you win the test then not only have our first team beaten you our experimental second string side have beaten you we really have your number we'll see you in yeah. 15 months time and we have uh, the, you know I mean, you're in our back pocket or if we lose well then you only beat our second string side our best team beat you we know how to beat you uh, you'll remember that as we fly home so uh, in effect though it was like distinct chance of sacrificing a winning series yeah. in New Zealand <laughs> Uh, okay, so start, start. Well, look, I'm not from any sort of rugby background. Or You're from Limerick? Fraternity. No, I'm from Sligo. Um, and like... <laughs> with Limerick connections. With Limerick connections, but like South Limerick. Like, it's not, you know, but like I'm not... It's all rugby country. It's all rugby country, yeah. I, I Like, I'd, I'd... Okay, the first thing is that I think you were saying this before, Mick, as well. It's like, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Ideally, you'd do both. You'd beat New Zealand on Saturday and then beat them again in 15 months' time. Mm. But obviously, for the purposes of this, you're kind of... Like, I think that in theory, <laughs> like, I love the kind of just, almost just the balls about Williams thing. It's like, yeah, we'll send our seconds out to play. And it's just like, it's just like, see you later. All right, the lad's flying home. But it's very strategic. Like, it's, it is, it is in effect sacrificing the like, third uh, test. Yeah, I, I mean, that is a big move to make. And then, like, well, it's a big chance to make because in 15 months' time, if you lose the quarterfinal, then you're scratching your head thinking, yeah, well, yeah. Back to the, yeah, the, the nothing to lose point. I think it's ludicrous because what we have to lose is the chance of beating New Zealand in New Zealand. Something that we've never done, something that nobody has done as a series since 1994. Something that is such a big deal at the moment that we're talking about the job of the uh, New Zealand coach. Something that Matt Williams himself said is affecting the New Zealand stock market. <laughs> Whether that's true we'll or not. That. Whether that's true or not. How big is that? No, but Matt, Matt's saying in one case that it's that big, but in the second case, like basically, or in, in, the, in, the, in the other way, well, almost throw like the, the, the thing. The World but, Cup dwarfs everything. But, but the, the World Cup isn't going to be affected by what we do in this. It's like a psychological. His uh, argument was, like, let me, was, was. A psychological. He's about to say, let me finish. A, <laughs> could that be the name of the slot? Don't worry. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> a psychological uh, uh, win over New Zealand, which, you know, in a defeat. Um, I think the chances of us meeting New Zealand in the, in the World Cup is the least likely of the scenarios. I think that we're more than likely going to finish second in the group South Africa and play France, who are going to win the group in France yeah. with New Zealand. Okay? So this whole obsession with meeting New Zealand again I think is 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 a bit misplaced, and like Ireland could go and play a second team in this test, and everything could go wrong in the next twelve months, and we could end up losing to Scotland and not even get out of the group. We've a really hard group, like you know what I mean, and you know the way Scotland are. Yeah. You don't know what way they'll end up being by next October, and you know, and so and we've given up this chance. I just I I can't. I hate I hate the rugby people. Conversation. Oh, no, I, I like the rugby people sometimes. <laughs> now I hate the rugby conversation that everything has to boil down to this I'm one so thing you. every four years. Rugby, rugby's in danger of ruining its sport. Winning a series in New Zealand, yeah. Joe. They talk down everything. Joe, See, before 2016, I never thought we'd ever win a match against New Zealand. I know, I know. But even the Six Nations now has been completely undermined. Like Eddie Jones has done his level best in the past year to completely undermine the tournament by 
talking about the games only through the prism of building for a World Cup. Like, one of the better things about rugby has been the fact that somehow through professionalism and however long uh, history, that test matches in November are contested as test matches, that we don't have the scourge of friendlies, which, you know, have been so terrible that footballers had to come up with a solution. So uh, why we want to just dismiss every achievement aside from that one month every four years, I don't know. Like, why doesn't it mean something to win a Six Nations anymore? Why would it not, well, it not mean a huge amount to win a series in New Zealand? It does I mean guarantee something. you if Ireland win it. Well, look, when Ireland beat New Zealand in November, it's now dismissed, I would say, by huge quotient of sports fans as uh, glorified friendly or irrelevant because they won't beat them at the World Cup, etc. And if they win the series, it will be dismissed as, well, let's see what happens at the World Cup. It's New Zealand at a low ebb, etc. As opposed to just, it was their best against Ireland's best. Both teams were trying. Yeah. It's, a it's a we moment in time. We don't we don't necessarily think that we're a better rugby nation than New Zealand, but this team beat them. Yeah. And they haven't yet. So a, a situation. <laughs> I know we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. This happened last night as well. We have to be very careful. Yeah. Part of what Matt Williams was arguing, right, um, is the fact that if you did that, and it's, it's just a psychological thing on one hand, but on the other hand, you get to try players out within that sort of furnace mm-hmm. that otherwise. And then if it comes to a point that Jonathan Sexton isn't available for the quarterfinal in 15 months' time, you have a player who's done it before. Yeah, but it's, There's it's a that, logic to that. I like. know, but it, why, why is everything sacrificed now for the World Cup? I don't remember it being this acute 15 well, I years I suppose professionalism. Like, it's just, it, like, the tests were there before yeah. you all had, like, Champions Cup, before yeah. you had all these types of things. Like, you have so much rugby now that, it, like, it can seem, it can be dwarfed. If, if you have Champions Cup in whatever, May, June. Yeah. November internationals, but then the Six Nations. So of the three of them, obviously the November international seems maybe a little bit less. But it does make this four-year cycle drag. Like at least in football, there's a big tournament internationally every two years. Yeah, in yeah, this part yeah. of the world, you the, get the Euros at the World Cup. But like otherwise, we're just going to be sitting here saying, "Well, but let's not talk about rugby until once every four years." But this is what I love about the the June as they used to be now July tests that since they've redone them, and I know they're going to wreck them again now. They're not happening like this anymore. But the one country goes to another country for three tests is class. Like the 2016 tour of South Africa, 2018 of Australia, and obviously was none during COVID, so we're back to 2022 now for New Zealand. They've all been amazing tours, and it's way better than the November thing where jaded Southern Hemisphere teams who have nothing to prove do come up. And it is a test match, not a friendly, but there's a little bit more leeway, Mm. I would say, especially in South Africa and Australia, maybe not as much for the All Blacks who don't like to lose, Mm. you know, as we know. But we've played South Africa teams that weren't worth a shite, like, you know, and then they'll come and they'll be us by 40 points (laughs) in the World Cup, like, you know what I mean? That, like, we know that. But these, this is the start of their season, this is what they big up, and we we don't have that laissez-faire kind of attitude we need to go and be at our best when the Northern Hemisphere teams go south so that's a brilliant brilliant uh, part of the calendar I think Uh, personally there's brilliant rugby going on at the moment every weekend across like do you do you find yourself viewing it all towards what does this mean for the World Cup and what does that mean for the World Cup you can't help it yeah. do you not find you can't help it because it's what all the coverage is ours included I don't mean to say we're not so we're, we're the most we're not above any world, of this we're like, the most you know? look ahead to the World Cup merchants yeah. of, all, of, of any I think. yeah 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 and I understand like I mean of course and it is coming around the corner now but what I'm saying to you is like 
in whatever we make a semi-final it won't be our last semi-final that we ever make you know and it's like and that that's that's fine we'll have broken a duck or whatever but it's like winning a test series in New Zealand is something we might never do again is there might just, never even be another one like you know that, of a three yeah, test series but is that not just breaking a duck as well and if there isn't another one fine that's kind of just circumstances but even that oh, no, I, th- I think it's point. a level of achievement that would be bigger than say if we'd beaten Wales in, in the 2011 quarter final when we kind of blew it yeah but we're saying this is a bang average New Zealand team by New Zealand standards yeah but it's not a bang average team it's still unbelievably difficult to win in New Zealand is it? nobody has done this since 94 no, like as a series yeah so how many years and counting yeah I mean I... England did it before England didn't do it as a series but they won down there they only played uh, them once before, so. yeah. before the, in 2002 it's a, it's a very good time to go and build that kind of confidence in yourself ahead of a World Cup as well mm. you know um, which obviously England did and then went on and won the Grand Slam which they'd bottled three years in a row before that and then went on fully believing themselves to win a World Cup I guess know? maybe um, all the World Cup talk maybe this does happen in like successful football countries like obviously Republic of Ireland it's just can we win our next game you know yeah. can we qualify whereas maybe if you're sitting there on German television all they're talking about for the four years is oh what does us winning by three goals to one here tell us about the I World think Cup so. I think it does in the Euros though because everything else is a qualifier for that tournament there isn't these individual I suppose, well, I suppose the Nations League games. does exist now, but I, yeah, you would imagine that is with the prism of how are we doing ahead of World the Cup. big games. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's a so, different sport. Like, I, I know, I, it's a different sport is such an easy thing to say, but it is a different calendar, I suppose, yeah, yeah. you know. and um, So we're not sacrificing test number three. Is that what we're agreeing here? You don't have to sacrifice it, but I do think it has to be forced. I, I, I do struggle with in and of itself. So would you rest Johnny Sexton? But when are you going to try someone else out otherwise? He's like, what is it, 37? But try out for what, though? Because this is what this will be Johnny Sexton. If Johnny Sexton leads Ireland to winning a Test Series in New Zealand, we're not, I think it's unlikely we win the World Cup next year, but and, and it, won't, it won't affect us. I have a question you know, But got, this will be Johnny, no, no, this no, will be Johnny Sexton's you know. greatest achievement as a rugby player. What, what? Would you drop him for it? This might be his greatest achievement. Nonsense. <coughs> That's insulting. What's his greatest achievement? Well, That's insulting. Four European, four European Cups. I, but this is inter- Grand Slams. Inter- You're just diminishing the Six Nations now. I know, yeah. I think this is. Jesus, is, I think I winning a series in New Zealand. Away from home. I think it's bigger than a, a Six Nations. He didn't play in the first test. Well, we lost it by 40 points or something. Exactly. So that's like how, could it be, how could potentially one game and whatever happens in the second game be considered his greatest rugby achievement? That to me is mad. So we came in, he came in with 1-0 down and... Lads. Hang on, what's the bigger one? I, uh, four European Cups. A European oh, Cup. The club Grand rugby slams. isn't in the same. Grand Slams. I think it trumps a Grand Slam. Uh, I think that's nonsense. But hang on, so you beat England, you beat France, Wales, Scotland. I tell you, Ro- ah, Raj won a Grand Slam, Jack Kyle won a Grand Slam, none of them have done this. Do you know, do you know, like, okay, you beat Scotland, you beat Italy, you get a win over Wales, England and France, good wins. Yeah. Winning two on the bounce against New Zealand in New Zealand? Beats, that beats beating England. I France, think you're no? taking out the. Con- no, I don't think so. Because for, I don't think, first of all, as a start, I don't think the. Okay, I don't know this, but the circumstances that beating us won't mean the same to them. As us beating now. them, uh, it, it, it's circumstantial, but beating Ireland at home doesn't. It, be, winning oh, the series wouldn't have made a difference. Handily, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Winning the yeah. series because oh. Ireland's nothing to them. Oh, sorry, for them it's an afterthought. Yeah, if, but but not. Since I know if they lose the circumstances. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they, they are not allowed losing. Not since yeah. Ireland started beating them. 
Like they would have now viewed Ireland as yeah. very genuine opponents, and now it's one all. So now it's a big deal. I just I think that's I can't I couldn't believe that it would be the best the thing. Well, you see, he's played brilliantly. Like O'Gara even said on Sunday on no, the show he, that he played as well absolutely. on Saturday as he's ever seen Sexton play. So he's not like he's pitched up and done it with the Lions, and now he's pitching up and he's leading Ireland, like leading Ireland uh, to a series win. Yeah. But that would be his greatest, he's hour, not, he, his finest hour. I would, ju- yeah. I I don't I don't know I don't think it's not this he's hanging around for. But you can't this compare, like beaten well, Ulster, course, by, but it has beaten to be. Ulster in 2012, like by a million points. Like no, obviously Northampton was amazing, but Northampton versus New Zealand, like come on. But like the, the draw, the fucking the drop against France. That whole that might like, be his moment. You know, but greatest <sighs> moment that was. Uh, yeah, like, God, that was great. But beating France is a trophy. Not like, what are you else are there for? Like, like, come on. There's bound to be a trophy. I was gonna I say, surely there's a there's a millennium, uh, you know, Quidditch Cup or something like that. <laughs> I, I find that hard to believe. Do you not think so? I can't. Like, I, I honestly think this would be his. This is his, like one of his crowning moments in a CV, captaining and also bossing on the pitch Ireland to a series win in New Zealand. Come on, what do you want from the man? I have a horrible feeling that this stuff is going to be played back to us next week. <laughs> I <Sorry>. just. Yeah. <laughs> we are assuming Ireland are going to beat New Zealand. We've done it once. When they lose by inclusion, <laughs> they had a red card in the middle of the first half. Let's just say for the record, New Sex Zealand are favourites. New Zealand are favourites. New Zealand are favourites. If if there was a gun to our heads, we would tip New Zealand to win. Let's just, let's put that on the record so we can't be destroyed in. I'm I'm open to your kind of understanding. I just I'm shocked by that. I'm surprised that that would be. I've hardened in my view. I wasn't sure a few days ago, and I've been, yeah. been thinking like, about it about now. about it being Sexton's biggest. Achievement. I like I, I I think so without a doubt. I I think if you asked, and it's funny, it's a pity Brian is not after us instead of before us. But I think if you asked that question, I think they'd be. I think we're hard pressed to like winning a World Cup is the only thing bigger than this. He was World Player of the Year. That was obviously an amazing night yeah. as well. But I think it's. But so what, what's like and not to compare apples and oranges but for, so for a great players that hadn't done it what would be Brian O'Driscoll's greatest achievement then? Mm. 09 Grand Slam See that and that was so epic at the time potentially yeah and he was phenomenal But so beating, if they'd Nations. beaten the All Blacks say in, in 2012 mm. that would have surpassed that like I could, yeah, that that well, world champion that all, black all black team. team. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is no world champion all black team, you know. No, that's true. There is a slight. This, this is a kind of a dip. Yeah, there is know? a dip. There is a dip. There is a dip. Yeah. I, I don't know if that. I don't know. Like, I, but it's interesting. By the same token, when Ireland did the Grand Slam on St Paddy's Day against England in 2018, that English team were at an incredibly low ebb. Yeah, yeah. That was a, 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 a walk in the park. Like, yeah. I mean, we almost won the Grand Slam in Paris, the first game of that did. tournament. Yeah, like, yeah, you know? yeah. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Let's move on for a moment then. Uh, the other um, interesting uh, sporting event we're on the cusp of is St. Andrews, the home of golf. I don't know if you've heard it uh, said this week, but it's the home of golf. Uh, they've gone deep on nostalgia. How excited are you two for this out of interest? Do you know what? I, 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 I like the way it looks, but I don't like, I prefer my golf majors to be on American time. I prefer watching no. 11, 12 o'clock at night. It's interesting. That's that I, I, interesting. I, I I've never heard of it that way. I don't yeah, like yeah. when it's over. I like the way Lowry was the one that stands out, but just that it doesn't, it doesn't oh, appeal no, to me as much. Prime time. Yeah, I want that. I want totally that feel agree. of it. Late nights, that's what you want. Like yeah. the, 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 the championship holes are going to be played up against the All-Ireland final on Sunday. Bloody honor, bloody GA calendar. Can we change? Nothing good about this calendar. How did not think of that? That's ridiculous. I didn't. I didn't even cop that. That's madness. And there's an awful lot of crossover in what people who like hurling and you like Lowry or, you know? or McElroy. Yeah. Yeah, it's all compressed in all the sport this year. That's ah, madness. Mm. But I, I, I love the Open. Like, I mean, I still, I still think it holds 
it holds this kind of uh, incredible sort of nostalgia to me of like getting up in, on a summer's morning and watching BBC from eight o'clock in the morning, wondering will Barry Lane hold on to his early lead yeah. <laughs> at two under. Um, you know, as like Peter Alice talks to me about like random golf clubs in Northern England, yeah. you know, North, but, uh, North Berwick, lovely oh, spot yeah, yeah. this time of year. They make a lovely cup of tea and a little bun, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, but like, you know, those days are gone, but you know, Sky in fairness do a great job of kind of continuing that, like the tone of golf coverage, I would say, you know, yeah, yeah. I was listening to, I was like, I was just like, uh, in the background, had the TV on, on the T, like they were doing like the Tuesday, you know, lads just hitting practice team. <laughs> I don't know why it was live coverage of it, but then a commentary team out for it, you know? It's and been three days nonstop. For I wasn't watching it, yeah. but in the background, I just felt like the golf was on. Mm. Yeah. The open is on, and we're in St. Andrews, and it was just lovely, like, yeah. Mm. And they've made a big play this week of history and tradition and I'm sure there's an they would have done it anyway but it's taken on an extra resonance in the face of the live golf thread as it's been discussed so Greg Norman wasn't invited he was the only champion not invited that's to unbelievable champions dinner I can't believe they didn't just they weren't like I can't believe they weren't just like we're above that I'm not saying they should have been I'm in some ways I think it's a great move yeah. but I just can't believe they didn't just say no. every champion's invited I was surprised you know. as well. Woods and McElroy came out and they were very supportive of the move. They said the focus should be on the 150th Open. You see, I'd say when the RNA were discussing this amongst themselves, they said, we just can't trust Norman. Like, we can't trust this man to not show up and say, this is not a week to discuss live golf. This is to celebrate the yeah. fact that Jack Nicholas is here for the first time in 17 years and Watson's here and all the greats are here and we're having this dinner and like homage to this amazing week. Like, Norman would have shown up in a Live Golf hat and T-shirt <laughs> and done every interview he could right yeah. in front of the clubhouse and yeah. every headline would have been Norman this, Norman that, Norman attacks this. So I think that I think they, they said, we can't trust him. It'll overshadow the whole week. Let's not do it. The other interesting thing is that Phil Mickelson declined the invitation to the Champions Dinner. Mad. And it just, it shows how far he's just blown himself out of really... Uh, the centre point almost of the golfing universe like Mickelson it's hard to say anything with him is genuine now but I would have thought he had a genuine appreciation for history and he would show up at the ceremonial tea starts at Augusta even if his tea time was much later in the day so I thought he got it now it's hard to know everything with him as an act in some respects but for him not to show up to what could be Jack Nicholas's last ever open champions dinner for instance is um, kind of extraordinary really and you couldn't have imagined it even just do you think it's Six embarrassment? Is it embarrassment? Or I don't know what it is. Awkwardness, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. although I'd say Phil Mickelson could get over awkwardness. I'd say can barrel through it. I, I think I'll go in there. I'll, they'll love me. I hope it's not a misguided alignment to my friend Greg. Oh, if God, you're not going to yeah. invite Greg, I'm not going to go. Like, I'm sure those two are winding each other up. Boycott. No end on the phone, you know. And did you hear they said this and that? You know, I can imagine them, like, uh, whipping up a storm at all times God, it's mad that it is like full on civil war at this stage because yeah. I thought last week he's like God Rory was like the last man standing in terms of like the outright opposition and he you know softened is probably he did yeah he did soften I, I suppose I suppose, you know I hold that word of him calling people uh, you know uh, I don't know I just think I just think that he still left some wiggle room that I don't think he's kind of gone back on his previous words, you know, but uh, at the same time, he absolutely softened. So you're thinking, mm, maybe this is over now. You know, we talked to Porrick Harrington yeah. 
yeah. you know, on the show here, and he talked about like this is an inevitability at this stage. Yeah. There's no stopping it now. Yeah. You're like, okay, right, maybe it's just time to move on in a certain way into a new aspect of the story. But then Tiger comes out against it, and you're saying all these things uh, about how kind of the open are treating it, and it does feel like it's still on open warfare, like you know. Yeah. The other interesting talking point this week is whether this could be um, a humiliation of sorts for the grand old course. Such as technology now, there was a fear that there could be incredibly low scores. So many of these players can now drive greens. Mm. They can't make the place any bigger. You know, even a number of the tee boxes aren't even on the course anymore. They're like across the road in a different <laughs> field, which is... So they can't, there's, there's just no way anymore, is there? Yeah. For so many of the holes, no. I mean... Could they make it? Could they like knock it down to like a par 68 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Like, there's obviously the potential that if it's calm, they may just have to use what the pros would regard as like tricked up pins, putting yeah. on, putting on a, on a slope that's just stupid, in effect. <laughs> you know, putting putting the pins here where, I'm like, all I can do is yeah. same shot, and that's bad because that'll be bad golf. It'll be lads hitting the same shot at the same spot, yeah. cozying up a putt with no chance of a birdie, and just tapping in for par. And that's not great golf either. So, like Peter Laurie was in the Golf Pod Golf Weekly um, today, and he definitely thinks there could be like a score that's so low this week if the wind doesn't blow like wind being the big defence of Annie Link's course he thinks there could be a score whereby they might just almost in effect retire St Andrews from the open now that'd be horrible horrible if that doesn't prompt some kind of redress on how far the ball is going nothing will yeah how low could it go Uh, talking 25 under like a bad PGA course (laughs) it's just kind of a grim fascination with that Tiger got to 19 under. How far ahead of everybody else? So I wouldn't, I'd always worry about like if, if, it's a, if it's a shootout of guys over 20 under. I think you could have a glut of guys threatening 60. Right. Really? Yeah. On a calm Thursday. Yeah. Like Mickelson, a couple of years ago, Troon almost broke 63, like the record which has stood forever and, and didn't, <laughs> couldn't do it. You know, he just missed a put at the end and he, he said, I don't believe, I didn't believe in golfing gods, I do now. Like this, this threshold has been there. But yeah, it's, it's potentially under threat. Now, I think there, there's certainly a bit of a breeze today, but then I heard Fowler talking on the endless coverage on Sky and he was remarking that on the 17th, the road hole, which is like one of the toughest holes in golf, that some a young South African up-and-comer was within 26 yards of the green. And, and this is, you know, this is like sacrilege almost. They can't, just can't contemplate the course being taken apart by bombers in that way. The hope would be, like, say, take a Bryson or something. And if, if, if you know, he goes super aggressive and tries to drive every hole, that there's a big number lurking somewhere. You know, if you're going to do that, when you miss, you're going to miss big. You could be into yeah. a gorse bush, and you know you. Yeah, is there enough of that you, stuff in St Andrews? Though that's what I, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's the there's the pop bunkers that you could be screwed yeah. into as well if you take them on. But okay. law numbers though is if enough pros look at it and say my best bet here is to go super aggressive and hope it's my week. Mm. The law of averages says that one of that pack could go super low, super low, and they just get the lucky bounces and they're super aggressive. And so the plodding cerebral Tiger Woods picking his way through the course as God intended will suddenly uh, not be able to keep pace with somebody who's going incredibly aggressive and and I guess you don't want to get to a point and Peter mentioned this where like if they're all just taking on these Hail Mary shots because distance allows them to now where it, be- it becomes a touch look as in nobody when you're hitting the ball 330 yards through you know warm weather 
you can't play for a bounce in the distance. I'm going to play it off that slope. There's a degree of I'm firing it that far and hopefully my one kicks right and his one kicks left and I have the birdie put. And so you you don't want the course to either one be redundant, like I said, because of low scores, but you don't want either two to start producing a quirky winner. Links yeah. can sometimes Todd Hamilton and such, but like the role of honours list at St Andrews is exemplary. It's like legend all the way through effectively. So you don't want it to be so quirky that we're getting weird winners that no one's heard of either. So it's an interesting week at St Andrews for all those reasons, aside from all the obvious, you know. Mm. I just have one spanner in the works. Yeah. Is there any chance of St Andrews, as amazing as it is, and I look forward to St Andrews Open because of what I think it's going to be, but I'm trying to remember the truth now. Is there any chance of St Andrews is a bit of a boring course in terms of what it, the types of... I, I, it's, it's all a bit samey. Big time. It's all the greens are huge. Nobody ever misses a green, you know. And I find the the golf is, isn't as good to watch as it is in some of the other courses. I think that's a really fair observation. Like there's a, there, and I think they've turned it up to eleven this week. Okay. There's a degree of it's the most cerebral test in golf. <laughs> there's you know an anecdote. I was listening to a podcast this week where like some millionaire billionaire friends of Woods. I suspect he doesn't have anyone. Friendly, who is who's not it isn't seven zeros. Yeah, almost getting that B, yeah, at the very least, yeah. We're over, and they played it, and they came back, and they said, you know, the history is wonderful, and like the town is gorgeous, and that square with one and eighteen, and the buildings and the hotel. I mean, yes, amazing, what a theater. But the golf course, you know, it was it was okay. And Woods's alleged reply was you're not good enough to understand. <laughs> so, so, so I, li- I like this new feisty uh, defending golf tiger. But, but to your point, I think um, TV, and I'm hopeful, because I, this is a bit nerdy, I watched some of the 05 final round back last night just to remember Woods and his prime. As, as you do. It's on YouTube, I got into yeah, it, I was, yeah. I was watching it. You talk like Tiger Woods, like I don't think I've ever heard people talk about a sports person. Maybe Michael Jordan or something it like that. blows Jordan out of the water. Yeah. We can have a debate. No, no, I'm not. I'm saying the way people talk about Michael Jordan. He is that, and, yeah. and more. Um, the way I talk about like PJ O'Connell. And, and do you know what it is though? <laughs> if, uh, if you were to ask anyone, can you remember all, at Augusta, I can name holes, you remember them. Yeah. At St. Andrews, aside from 17, Old 1 yeah. and 18, it's like, well, like, I can't even see the fairway. He's just hitting it over. Postage champ? Some gorsh. No, no. That's no. a diff. That's true, is it? Yeah. Uh, well, it's definitely not St. Andrews anyway. Definitely not St. Andrews. Damn it. Um, I think TV, TV in 05, they still had like a blimp as opposed to drones. Like it's amazing how much has changed. Mm. I'm hoping this is the first time that TV really make it, bring it to life. And they're like, here's the tee box. This is the line he's thinking of. If he doesn't hit that exact line, these bunkers up here are going to vacuum that ball in and he's screwed yeah. so even though this looks wide open he's got 10 yards to aim at here and, and, and drawing lines and you know making it all very obvious to people because I agree with you it does blend as a viewer it does blend into one anyone I've talked to who has played it does say it's an extraordinary experience and, yeah. and maybe you have to kind of play it to appreciate the I'll never know Joe yeah fair enough unfortunately are we pretty much done Sure we might be. Any other final thoughts anyone wants to offer? No, nope, nothing at all. We had a few things shouted down. We were going to dis- discuss the coverage of Manchester United 4, Liverpool nil. Just <laughs> suffice to say. The fact that there was coverage and that we know the score is a problem for me. But Well, I came to it late and I thought, well, maybe it's not insignificant, you know, 10 Hag off to a good start. And then I saw Jurgen Klopp played 30 players in the game. <laughs> yeah. That never happened before in a friendly. 
Incredibly. players. I remember Sven Goran Eriksson was like abused for ending friendlies sometime yeah. around 2004 because he made eight substitutions once. But 30 is quite something. No. Gents, we are out of time. Mitt McCarthy, thank you very much. Thanks, Joe. Arthur O'Dea, thank you very much. Best of luck, Johnny Sexton. <laughs>